Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites, and you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us at bleedcubbyblue.com, and we blast all of our episodes and related content on Twitter, which is at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez, and I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi guys, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I'm going to be writing as a contributor for Cubs Den. Yay, that's awesome. Yay, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Speaking of new gigs, Andy is not the only person with a new gig. Uh, The Cubs have a new manager, people. So apparently the whole, like, don't announce things during the World Series rule is just not, I don't know if they're just not doing it, or if people just aren't respecting it, or if nobody cares, or what. Because everybody is announcing things during the World Series. <laughs> well, I ha- I do have some clarification on that. Oh, go so ahead. I was, I was actually kind of looking into this because I was surprised that a lot of teams were going ahead with this. You and I had talked about it, and the Angels still went ahead and announced Joe Madden. So apparently only like if if the press gets a hold of it, that's one thing. But teams can only officially announce on days when there's not a game, a World Series game. Right, so that's- but- no, go no, ahead. continue. No, go no. ahead. So that's why you'll see that the actual teams themselves will not announce until there's a day there's not there's a day where there's not a game. But yeah, I mean, if it gets leaked to the press, that's a completely different thing. The press can do whatever they want. But as far as Major League Baseball teams, they cannot officially announce until there's a day without a game. Totally. I'm just more referring to the fact that like the last couple of days have been super leaky. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's the Girardi stuff and the Ross stuff leaking. And like, like, so I don't know about you earlier today. I don't know. It was probably two hours or so ago. I got an email from cubs.com introducing David Ross as the new manager. And I I almost started laughing because I was just like, the Cubs are literally the last person to let me know this. Right. Right. (laughs) everybody except the Cubs. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, I have Cubs Twitter on an alert on my, on my phone. So I was just basically just kind of biding the time. Like, you know, it's coming because obviously everybody else has already told us, but officially they can't say anything until there's not a game. So here it comes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, we're going to dive into it. I mean, this is big news, people, and we're finally, we have a manager, so this is going to be great. Um, before we jump into David Ross, just a couple of other managerial announcements. I already mentioned that the Phillies uh, signed Joe Girardi, so he is off the market. Um, the Padres also announced that they're going to go with Jace Tingler. Um So the Padres no longer need anybody, which is of note because I kind of thought that Mark Loretta might be a fit for that job, and it appears they're going a different direction. Um, There are still a handful of teams that need managers. The Mets need a manager, and (laughs) I honestly can't even tell what they're doing over there. They keep leaking that there are secret candidates, and I don't even know. Um, The Giants are still looking for a manager. The Royals are apparently linked to Mike Matheny, and look, Kansas City, just say no. (laughs) Just don't do it. (laughs) I mean... Have they not learned anything from their <laughs> state, their state friend? Like, come on, man. Oh, Godspeed, Kansas City. Godspeed. Um, right. <laughs> but we are a Cubs podcast, so we're going to spend the bulk of our time today talking 
about the Cubsy manager, who is who is David Ross. Andy, what are your thoughts on this? I know that we were both kind of torn on Ross versus Espada. So I obviously, um, I just want to preface this whole thing with, I absolutely love David Ross as a player, as a former Cub, as somebody that was a great influence on the clubhouse back in 2016. He was just, he's, his personality, his presence, I just feel like all around, he is a really great guy. So I don't want anybody to to take what I'm about to say or feel like I'm being negative about this because there's enough of that going around that I don't need to do it. So <laughs> I'm trying to keep an open mind about this. I was one who was leaning more towards Espada, but I had different reasons for it. My reasons, very I've, I heard very few people mention and not even put the two together because I think everyone was pretty convinced that David Ross was a shoe-in. I am optimistic. I'll put it that way. I am trying to find the silver lining on every little thing that I feel like people are nitpicking about him. I understand the amount of experience or lack thereof is a concern for a lot of folks. And I get that. But I feel like this is a very un-Theo-like hire. And I think that might actually end up being a good thing. Um, I think when it comes down to it, we have to give him a chance. We don't have another choice. We can be upset and be mad and say, this is not the right choice. This is not the right direction. But ultimately, it's not up to us. This is something that's already been done. We have to just kind of stand behind him and, and hope for the best. And I think people are overlooking the fact that this man has 15 years playing experience he has led and played next to some very important teammates, some people that you're going to see on the 2020 Chicago Cubs. Um, and I, I, I really think that there's a lot more to this higher than what people are thinking. So um, I think it's important to look at all sides, all angles. And while you might have negative thoughts on it, try and remember that you know, when Theo has done some of the stuff that he's done, none of us can, you know, there's been times when we couldn't explain it, when we couldn't really figure out what he was thinking, but we just kind of had to go with it because you just kind of have to trust that the, the mad genius knows what he's doing. I kind of feel like this is the same situation. Like they obviously see something and know a lot more than what we do about, you know, this, the whole background on this. I feel like him having been in the front office for three years probably says a lot because he's already very familiar with how they work and how they think. My concern, and this is my biggest concern, is I do not want him to be a yes man. That's my only concern. I think everything else will come out in the wash and we'll see a positive side to this soon enough. So I, I agree with vast portions of that. Um I actually took a slightly different tack for this. And full disclosure, this is for a piece I'm writing that should be out tomorrow on Bleed Cubby Blue. So this is going to sound a lot like that piece. It's just in like draft form and partially in my head in the moment. And I might change um, some of my conclusions. But when I heard this announcement, the first thing I did was go back and read um, parts of Tom Verducci's book, The Cubs Way, and David Ross's book, Teammate. Because I haven't read them for a few years and I just wanted to refresh my memory. And and a couple of things jumped out at me and I, I had forgotten this or maybe I had just buried how important it was um, and what was said in this particular part. But I, so Teammate, if you have not read it, is the book David Ross wrote after the 2016 season 
the foreword to that book is written by Theo Epstein. And if you don't read any other part of this book, you got to go out and find the foreword to teammate that Theo Epstein wrote uh, for David Ross's book. And there's just a couple of parts of this that I want to share with people and I want people to keep in mind because in retrospect, if I had gone and looked at this a month ago, it would have been, I, I don't know how we ever thought that Espada was going to rise to this level. So um, like from the forward, there's a part where they talk about David Ross's first run with the Red Sox in like 2009 um, when he had just come off a, ser- a season with the Reds and he wasn't really reviewed, like wasn't really thought of as a good teammate. People thought that he was griping about playing time and that he wasn't being super helpful. But what they talk about is how he really made his presence known in Boston. He was vocal and helpful in terms of scouting and pregame and stuff. And as a result, they invited him, even though he was the third string catcher, to the playoff planning meeting. And they sort of expected that he was just going to sit there and not say anything because he's the third string <laughs> catcher and that job is Jason Baratex and like Tech should be like leading the conversation. And instead, he, Ross, spoke up early and often in a strong authoritative voice, making insightful points about every opposing hitter. He wasn't afraid to disagree, even with Baratech, and quickly went over the room. By the third or fourth hitter we discussed, others were deferring to Ross, the backup's backup, who in the last six weeks had spent his entire career in the other league. And I remember saying, that was impressive, Jed Hoyer. <laughs> we should keep an eye on him. So this is back in 2008. So in 2008, Theo and Jed are sitting in a room with David Ross as the backup's backup, sort of like leading in a room, getting ready for the playoffs. And that is a, I I don't know if I just forgot that detail. I don't know if it didn't jump out at me at the time, but it makes a lot of sense then when you look at how he came over to the team in 2015, the leadership role he took on in 2016. And all throughout this forward, there are clues that like, Theo firmly believes David Ross is going to be the manager. Like he thinks he's got the guy. So while it's weird that Theo has not gone out and hired somebody with no experience before, it's not weird when you look at the things Theo said about David Ross three years ago. Am I making sense? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But yeah, so there's just a lot here. The only other thing that I really uh, want to highlight here, and I thought that this jumped out at me too, is that in 2013, when Ross was with the Red Sox again, and he was still, again, like the backup catcher, right? He caught all four of Boston's wins in the World Series. So he's like the backup catcher, but he's the guy that they default to in the Fall Classic. Anyway, I highly recommend people go back and read that. Teammate's a great book anyway. It'll get you, it, It's not common that you hire a manager who's written a book and you can like literally just go learn about him from him. But it's even less common, I think, when that, book has a foreword written by the president of baseball operations who hired the manager. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have to confess, I didn't even know that he had a book. And that's that's pretty bad. But I didn't even know he had a book. And I like literally as you were talking, I'm putting it on my Amazon. Like it's we'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> awesome. I mean it's a great read. You should read it anyway because it's a great read. But there's there's just little clues in there about how Theo and Ross like they, this is not a relationship that started in 2015. This is a relationship that goes back to 2008. Um, and it sounds, from reading that forward, like Theo's had his eye on David Ross to manage for a decade. 
and that he sees something there, you know? That's actually really great news to me because so many people forget and and I don't know if it's by choice or they just have selective memory, but they just kind of think that David Ross came on the scene in 2015, 2016 when we started to learn about him. There is so much more to this man than what we know about him as a Cub and with the Cubs team. So, yeah, I mean, it is my personal goal to go out there and learn as much as I can about this man and and be knowledgeable because like I said, you know, this is not a choice I get to make. I, I have to, you know, find the positives and, and, and try to have a positive mind frame about this hiring as much as, you know, we've talked about having some reservations about this. I, I still, I, I feel like there is going to be a lot of good that comes out of this. I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of this. So the thing that was my hesitation was sort of the and, and this is in the in the piece that I'm working on for tomorrow, too. So if you read the piece and you're listening to this in reverse order, you're going to be like, hey, I just read this or vice versa. Um, the I think that the front office was sort of faced with a choice. I almost think of it like, you know, you can, two roads diverged in a wood type of thing. Um, they built this juggernaut, right? Like they built this team from the ground up that was supposed to be a dynasty that was supposed to have a farm system that fed into the majors that was perennially strong. They were going to be a contender for the foreseeable future. I mean, that's what all Theo talked about when he came over and he told people very upfront that he needed to like tear everything down and rebuild it from scratch to make that happen. But that was the promise. The promise was a perennial contender with a strong farm system that was like constantly developing players. Right. Um, that, kind of hasn't happened like it came, it got here in 2016 2017 looked pretty good and then through a series of not great moves through a series of trading away talent and less great pro, like player development they haven't really reached that level of we're a perpetual contender that the Astros and the Dodgers have and so it almost struck me looking at like David Ross and Joe Espada as the last two managerial candidates that it was the David Ross option for Theo really was like, I'm going to stick with the Cubs way. I built this thing. I have my people. I know the people that I've had an eye on for a decade to be part of this thing. David Ross is clearly one of them. Uh, and I can double down on that legacy and what I've believed and what I know should work. Or I can admit that didn't work. And I can poach a guy from a rival organization who is doing this thing. And, and I'm sure they had a lot of reasons for making the choice that they did. And I'm probably oversimplifying this in the name of a good story. But for whatever reason, they chose to double down on their own way. And we can dive into what some of those, what I think some of those reasons are. I'm clearly speculating. Yeah. I mean, I totally, I, I, I am totally a hundred percent understanding what you're saying. And I'm with that because, you know, that you feel like you, the confidence is while it has decreased a little bit in that way, it's still there. You know, like I, I still feel like we can do something with the core, with the way that the franchise has been set up over the past couple of years. Yes, we are hurting in our minor league systems, but that's all been something that they have tried to look at improving with, you know, a string of new hires that we've seen over the past couple of weeks, that sort of thing. And I think that probably all builds on somebody like David Ross coming in and managing 
you know, he's, like I said, he's been in the front office for three years. So he's gotten kind of the inside scoop as to what direction they're heading and where they want him to take the team. Um, Another thing that, and kind of along the same lines as my whole yes man thing that I am concerned about is how much of an influence are they going to have on how David Ross manages this team? And, you know, you have to wonder because I kind of want to um, just compare this to like my day job, a work situation that not that I was in personally, but something that you can um, kind of relate it to. So like I am um, an advisor assistant and I've been an advisor assistant for almost 15 years. So a long time. Um, I am somebody that I have a very disciplined way of doing things. I have a very set way of doing things. I've been doing them for a long time that way. Now, the question is, an advisor, an established advisor, do they want to come and hire somebody like me who already has a set way of doing things, who's probably not going to change how I do things and walk into a job and be able to do, you know, at least minimally a a halfway decent job of getting his business going? Or do they want to hire somebody that is brand new, that they can train the way that they want that person to do things and you know, be able to set up their business and have this person run this the way that they want from the ground up. So, I mean, while you have strengths on each side, it's obviously something where you have a little bit more control and you have to micromanage a little bit more when you have somebody that's coming in brand new. So that concerns me a little bit with the David Ross hire because I don't know that they're going to micromanage. I don't know that I see that happening. And I don't know that we would even know if that was happening. But I feel like they're probably going to have to hold his hand a little bit when it comes to certain things. And I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong because if he is hired and he is being paid to be the manager, then he needs to be the manager. And that needs to be something that is reinforced by them to the team and to the press and to everybody and let him just go out and do it and let him be that guy. I'm just a little concerned about how much of that they're actually going to let happen. Yeah, that's fair. I I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see what this working relationship looks like. I, I will be the first to admit that I don't think it's going to look the same as it did with Joe Madden and the front office. Admittedly, uh, they want something different. I think Doug Glanville had a really good piece on this today. And if you haven't checked out his piece um, for NBC Sports, you totally should. But, you know, he does a really good job of talking about how the managerial role has evolved And it used to be that you had to hit every station on your way up. I mean, this is what Madden did. This is what a lot of teams, the Cubs included, told Ryan Sandberg he needed to do, um, that he had to go manage in the minor leagues and then work his way up and then be be a bench coach and then get hired by the Phillies, ultimately not the, not the Cubs. But um, it, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. It seems to be the case now, and, the, and I'm trying to find the exact quote that Glanville had. I'm, I'm missing it at the moment, but he talks a lot about, um, you know, they believe that you need to be a good communicator. You need to be able to motivate people in the clubhouse and that they can teach the other components of managing the game if you have enough of that basic instinct and chemistry. Um, and this is sort of the theory as to why Alex Cora worked in Boston and Aaron Boone worked in New York. Um, admittedly, some of those managerial candidates have not done quite so well. I, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. We've never really seen 
the Cubs and the Theo Epstein Cubs do this, like make this decision. So I'm going to be watching it keenly. Yeah, that's one thing I'm really excited for is just to kind of see um, now that we have this announced and this is out there and we have this in place and everybody can kind of take a, you know, take a deep breath and we just kind of move on. And now we have to start doing other things. And, um, you know, I don't know that all of those things are going to be fun things, but at least we know where we stand when the manager is concerned. Cause I know that was a big question mark for a while. And, and maybe it wasn't that big of a question mark, but at least we have that void filled. So now, you know, now it's time to really get the off off season in, in full swing. So I'm, I'm actually really excited and, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be an amazing, amazing thing to watch David Ross walk out in the field that first time as a manager of the Chicago Cubs and, and see the reception by the fans and, I, I can guarantee you by the time that happens, there will be a much different tone about the kind of manager that he will be. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what a couple other little notes here before we maybe do our final thoughts on managerial stuff and then talk about World Series news because it's only been like three days, but there's already been a ton of news. Baseball is crazy right now. Um, the deal for Madden or for Madden, the deal for Ross <laughs> I know, I know. It's going to happen again. I was going to say, I haven't done it yet, but I will for sure do it. It's going to happen again. I just, I, it's going to happen. Um, the deal for Ross is a three-year deal with an op, a team option for 2023. Um, we don't have the dollar amounts for that deal yet. Al has a really interesting piece up on BCB about whether you should count him as the 55th manager of the Chicago Cubs or the 61st manager of the Chicago Cubs that has some interesting trivia about the time in the 60s where the Cubs didn't actually have one single manager because of the College of Coaches, which is kind of interesting. Um, They will have a press conference to officially announce David Ross as Cubs manager on Monday. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. Andy, is there anything else uh, you're keeping an eye on on the managerial front? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be real interested to see, you know, I'm, I'm excited to hear the the press conference on Monday. I am a press conference person. Like I will listen from beginning to end and probably multiple times, <laughs> which I know sounds extremely boring. Um, but you know, you always catch things and you hear little tidbits of information or, um, you know, how they answer questions and, and, and that sort of thing, how they handle the questions that kind of lead to just, uh, I guess, a, a tone, if you will. And I'm really actually excited because, you know, like I heard Jesse Rogers talking about today, he's excited, you know, the press, the media, they're excited because the last time they say, they saw David Ross was, you know, as a player and some of them have worked next to him at ESPN. So this is going to be a much different shift for him to be sitting behind that table as the manager of the Chicago Cubs. So it'll be really cool to see how that plays out and um, how he handles that, because that's going to be an important piece in a market like Chicago. You really have to think about, you know, all of the day-to-day media and press conferences and interviews that he's going to have to give and, and how that, you know, how he handles that. I'm actually very excited for this. This is, this will be a good move. I'm, I'm on board. I'm all about Grandpa Rossi. Well, and what, and to your point, actually, one of the things I forgot to mention earlier, the second round of interviews that they did with Espada and Ross was apparently a mock press conference and like a 
fire up the team spring training speech. And that was what pushed Ross over the top in the eyes of the front office. So I, I, and I, you know, I'm on the record as saying, I think it's really important to have good communicators um, and media people, particularly in a market like Chicago. We are going to talk on the other side of the break about how that can go horribly wrong if you don't know what you're doing. But first, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. All right, and we're back. So Andy and I are obviously wait, like waiting with bated breath for this Monday press conference with David Ross. Um, in the realm of PR situations gone terribly wrong, Andy, are you following the situation with the Astros at all? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. This is this is a PR um, bad dream turned into an absolute nightmare turned into what in the crap are you people thinking? Yeah. So if you have not uh, been hanging out on Twitter a lot and or just don't follow a ton of Astros news for whatever reason, uh, in their ALCS celebration, apparently about an hour into the celebration, um, their assistant general manager. So to put this in perspective, that is like their Jed Hoyer on the org chart. Um, was a little bit fired up, saw three female reporters um, in the clubhouse, one of whom was wearing a purple bracelet for a domestic violence awareness. And for reasons nobody has been able to quite figure out, he decided to start yelling in her general direction. I'm so bleeping glad we got Ozuna about half a dozen times. Um Sports Illustrated, there was a Sports Illustrated reporter, Steph Epstein, in that group. She reported the story. She asked the Astros for comment. Originally, they declined. She asked them to make Brandon Topman available for an interview. They declined. After her story was published, they put out a statement saying it was misleading and inaccurate, um, which then led to a bunch of other reporters who were in the room coming out on Twitter and saying, not inaccurate. I was there. <laughs> so round two. And, about and not the- just, not just females, males yes, right. and females. Yeah. Houston Chronicle reporters, Yahoo sports, um, like lots of backup about 18 hours after this, the Astros tried round two of statements and honest to God, Brandon Todman needs to learn how to write an apology because his apology is quite literally like a, I'm sorry if the thing that I did that some people are offended by might have offended you. (laughs) It's not. And then like a note to the fact that he's a husband and a dad and therefore I guess incapable of being a jerk. I don't even know. Like I, I don't even know. (laughs) It's the worst apology I've ever read. Uh, So that you're you're insulting apologies when you call that an apology, by the way, it's not an apology. It's literally not an apology. The furthest thing from an apology. I'm sorry you were offended by me being, by me doing something I would definitely do again is not an apology. Oh, Um, but but don't worry. I'm going to tell you how good of a person I am because clearly you can't see it by my actions. Right. Go on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So the, those statements were not particularly great at this point. And and I do want to talk about this for a second, because I think it's both good and bad that there were a lot of high-powered baseball writers who jumped into this story with very clear thoughts and some great pieces. And, And I say it's good because the pieces are great, they're unequivocal, and they're exactly what you would expect out of baseball writers. So like hat tip to Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan 
and Ben Lindbergh, who wrote these incredible pieces that you should definitely go out and read, um, calling the Astros on the carpet and saying that they hadn't done enough and that this was a bad situation that they needed to do better on. The problem is that it shouldn't be necessary (laughs) for the baseball writers, dudes to speak for something to be taken seriously. It it should be taken seriously the second somebody says it. And Steph Epstein is a great reporter for Sports Illustrated, and she should have been taken seriously originally. She shouldn't have needed male reporters backing her up in the clubhouse, and she shouldn't have had the Astros. I mean, I I don't even know what to call it. I I hate to call say that an organization lied, but their first statement was about as close to saying fake news as you can (laughs) about a reporter who was not reporting something fake. And they should have given the co- their comment to her when she asked for it, if they wanted to be included in the story. Um, Can I want to add something to this? Yeah, because go for I it. Think I'm curious. Kind of, no, this takes like a whole different turn on this story when you get the added detail of the fact that this um, person, Brandon Tobin, had a history with this particular reporter that he was shouting right. in the direction of. Um, this gal had notably made tweets and wrote things in the media after Houston had obtained Ozuna by trade and kind of, you know, put them on blast, which they deserved every minute of it for, for trading for this guy after he had, um, served, well, actually they traded for him during his suspension. And, um, so he had had exchanges. I don't even know if they were exchanges, but he had said things in her direction previous, like not necessarily face-to-face, but like on social media or, you know, in in quotes to reporters, that sort of thing. He had definitely not appreciated what she had been saying about the team and about their, um, their trading for Ozuna. So there was some history there. So for Houston to play as though this was completely unheard of, unfounded. There's no way this could have happened. And then later for us to find out that there was history between Brandon Tobman and this gal that was wearing the purple bracelet. Like that is, did they think we weren't going to find out? Like, did they think no one was going to come out and say, well, Hey, I remember him saying something about her in the past when she had strong opinions about this. Like, did they think we weren't going to know that it's just, to me, it's just an absolute nightmare of a situation and major league baseball needs to jump on this like ASAP and get this handled because unfortunately right now, and I don't even know that I feel sorry for Houston fans because the majority that I've seen are defending this guy, which just makes my blood boil um, because you root for a team. Doesn't mean you have to defend their bad actions. Like that's just, that's, that's common sense. Like, hello. I mean, how many times have we discussed things we don't agree with on the Chicago Cubs? Um, You know, it's just, to me, you don't have to stand for that. You don't have to defend any of it. Um, But I kind of feel like their team is, is paying the karma that their exec created for them, you know? So I don't know. I hope, I hope something is done. No, I totally agree with this. And for the record, the story Andy's talking about that um, did a really great job of digging up the history between Topman and this particular reporter was by NPR. This isn't even like a sports story anymore. It's a legitimate news story. It was uh, David Fulkenflik, who, if you listen to NPR, is about as non-biased and all news all the time as you can possibly be. And the Astros created this PR drama all on their own. 
I, I actually, I mean, I said this as a joke, but I kind of stand by it. I, I was starting to wonder if maybe at some point Brandon Todman had upset somebody in their like PR or communications department. Cause I just couldn't believe that they were releasing the statements that they were literally pouring fuel on the flames as things were getting worse for them. Um, and it's, and it's frankly terrible for the team that put together a really nice season that doesn't need this distraction that should just be enjoying a world series and they can't because their assistant general manager decided to have his, I don't even know, frat boy celebratory moment <laughs> taunting a female yeah. reporter. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe this. Well, it just, it, it was completely unnecessary. It was completely uh, like out of place. And for them to try and explain it off the way that they did as a misunderstanding, as, um, something that was not intended to be received the way it was all goes back to his quote unquote apology. It just, to me is like, I mean, that's, have you heard what AJ Hinch said? He's the only person that said, he said the right thing. And for the record, before you say what AJ Hinch said, because you should absolutely add that. I just want to say the other thing the Astros really fell down on here is the fact that AJ Hinch was the first person from the Astros to talk to the media at the standard like pre-World Series press conference. Nobody from the front office held a press conference before that. Like, can you imagine Jed Hoyer comes out drunkenly screaming at a reporter and the Cubs say nothing except like typed up statements for two days and then just send their manager out to deal with it? I I can't. I cannot imagine that. (laughs) Like, so... um... Yeah, I picture somebody in the Houston Astros front office sitting in his in his office with his feet kicked up on his desk with his hands folded behind his head saying, eh, what are they going to do? Eh, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? What are they going to do? Like, we've never been disciplined for anything like this before. Why would they start now? Like, you know, I, I guess, I don't know. I'm not surprised. I feel like they are just going to continue to think they can get away with whatever they want because they are who they are. But I hope that this actually, that something actually becomes of this because this is something that, yeah, like you said, a lot of big names have taken a stance on this and obviously, you know, have very strong opinions on how this is being handled and and how the Houston Astros are handling this. And, you know, AJ Hinch went, went out and said, I am extremely disappointed. I am very disappointed in how this was all handled we have to be better than this. And it it is completely sad to me that it takes the manager of the team who should be getting his guys ready for a world series to come out and quote, you know, apologize or at least be embarrassed by the actions of his team, you know, a day before the world series, a day before the biggest games of his life, he has to worry about this mess because nobody else will help try and clean it up or at least take some responsibility and ownership for this. Like that to me is just ridiculous. That made me appreciate AJ Hinch because what a man, you know, he's got to go face these people at some point in, in his day. And and he has no problem coming out and saying how wrong they are. It just, to me that it, it says a lot about that team and a lot about that franchise. It really does. And I, you know, I, I'm sure that this had nothing to do with the Cubs picking Ross over Espada, but it it did remind me that, you know, one of the things that they were 
asked to do in that second interview was this mock press conference and Ross apparently just like nailed it. And I'm not saying that Espada didn't nail it, but the difference between a media market like Houston and a media market like Chicago is huge. Um, And being able to communicate with the press and being able to say the things that need to be said is important. And I, the Astros are just like a textbook example of what not to do this week. Um, (laughs) And I, it's like, isn't that the truth? Wow. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, everything like I'm, I'm not a comms PR person but like if I were <laughs> I'd be like don't do any of this I don't <laughs> think their do PR people things. are PR people like there's no way that their PR people can be PR people like there's just no way like I mean <laughs> I, I would like to know who handles their PR because you know I uh, they, you can, they should Astros hire me and Andy no I'm just kidding don't I no. god no <laughs> we don't, we don't want that job <laughs> you could not pay me enough to do any of that because that they've just made a huge hole for themselves and they just keep digging down deeper and deeper. Um, we have a few minutes left. Let's talk about the actual baseball that is being played. I am stunned, stunned by this World Series, y'all. Uh, the Nationals, our temporary beloved lifelong national fan Nationals, are up two games to nothing over the Astros. And what they did last night putting up 12 runs against the Astros during a Verlander. I, during a Verlander start, like I, Andy, this Nationals team looks kind of unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, they definitely peaked at the right time. I am going to do something right now that I feel like might crush your soul. Don't do it. And I love you. And I hope you know that, but I cannot stand Bregman. I cannot, (gasps) cannot, cannot. (sighs) You know that I, you know that I liked him at one point, but after the past games I've watched, I just can't get on board with him. I just can't like, I get it. You're good. I get it. But I am one of those people that like, I know just let him play. Just, you know, let the, let the kids play, blah, blah, blah. I know I get that, but there is a different way to do that. You can still have fun and have hustle. And I don't feel like he's doing that. I feel like he's so worried about the next time he gets to celebrate and the next time he gets to pimp a home run, which yes, pimp, I'm all for that. Pimp it, but then run around the bases. Why are you like walking around the bases? He, like, it was the slowest home run trot Oh ever. my gosh, Sarah, I swear <laughs> to God, they could have played more commercials at the time that it took him to get around the bases. Like it was, it was, I was like embarrassed a little bit. Like, dude, come on. Like we get it. That was a great hit. You hit off a of Strasburg. Yes. You tied up the game, totally pumped up your team. I get it. I'm jacked for you. I don't even, I'm not even an Astros fan. Not any time in my life will I ever cheer for the Astros, but then, you know, pimp the home run. Fine. Be done with it. Get around the bases. Let's go get your teammate up. Let him enjoy his time. It was just, it was overkill. And I just, you saw a whole lot of attitude from him and a whole lot of, um, I don't even want to say swag. Cause I don't even feel like it was swag. It was just, it was overkill. And I'm like, okay, now you're now I don't even, I can't even enjoy you. Like I want to enjoy you, but you kind of ruined it. So I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't like him anymore. So I, I still like Bregman. Although I will say, <laughs> I actually I actually felt bad for Bregman yesterday because beyond the home run, which I agree, like he ran painfully slow around the bases. Um, he's kind of responsible for the big inning that the Nationals put up. I There was a ball that he got to, but it was kind of a hot shot and he couldn't really get a handle on it. And that could have ended the inning and then didn't. And then he airmailed a throw trying to rush a play. 
and that definitely extended the inning. And karma. Bregman had a real bad night, y'all. Karma. You know um, what? Don't don't pull that crap in the bottom of the first inning when there is a ton of baseball to play. You know what? Get back, hit the ball, pimp your home run. Yes, it was a great home run. It was, it was off of Strasburg. You tied up the game. Pimp the home run, get around the bases, let your teammate get up and do something else too. You don't, you don't need to do all that. That's overkill. Like, I don't mean to be get off your lawn right now because I hate that about people. I hate it when people are like that. But there's a lot of baseball left to be played that you can still hustle around the bases and still be a good teammate and like keep it moving. You know what I mean? So that part just kind of, that didn't sit well with me. Obviously you can hear how worked up I'm getting over Alex Bregman right now. (laughs) No, that's totally fair. I I mean, I actually, I I didn't like that. I didn't like that trot either. I am liking a lot of things in this series though. And one of the things that I would be remiss if I didn't mention, given my uh, comments about ticket prices before is that as this series heads back to DC where the nationals y'all are going to play their first world series game in DC standing room only tickets as of today are $995 for that game. <laughs> this is like 2016 Chicago territory people like I hope get you it, got Washington. your tickets not on the secondary market because you were gonna get robbed on the secondary market in DC uh Andy and I are going to be watching all of this and we will be back um, next Monday with notes from David Ross's presser and with notes about what is going on in the world series. So we are your one-stop shop for everything you need for postseason Cubs news notes and banter. You can follow me at BCB underscore Sarah. You can follow Andy at BRYZ underscore blue, and you can follow both of us at at cup of cubby blue. Have a good one. Bye.